0: Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Umtalha Speaks podcast. This is our season where we're talking about balancing deen and dunya, and we have various guests in different career paths. And inshallah, in today's episode, we'll hear from four lovely sisters who are currently working in the education sector um, in varying roles. So, if we can get started, inshallah, if you can all introduce yourselves. Uh, assalamu alaikum and welcome to this show.
1: Wa alaykum as I'm Naila and I teach maths in a secondary school.
0: Wa
2: alaykum as wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Um, my name is Moina. I work as a full-time preschool manager.
3: Wa alaykum as It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thank you. Um, so my name's Sadia and I'm a primary school teacher by profession. However, my current role is advisory teacher for students who suffer from mon- social, emotional and mental health needs. I work closely with SENCOs in primary schools and assistant heads, also the class teachers, to support these students who have special educational needs.
4: Wa Alaikum as my name is Jahanara and I work as a one-to-one mobility and support assistant in a secondary mainstream school. My role involves working with children that have special learning needs, including those with physical disabilities, behavioural challenges, sensory impairments, speech difficulties, and other mental health
0: conditions. Now, we know growing up that every child is exposed to a teacher. So the existence of roles in a school are very well-known and obvious from a very young age. We know what a teacher is. We know what a teaching assistant is. We know what a principal or a head teacher is. So for children, many times that concept of, I want to be a teacher when I grow up is very established. Um, Can you talk a little bit about whether or not you knew that you always wanted to be a teacher? Is this something that you always planned or a role that you kind of just found yourself in. Because I know for myself, um, teaching is definitely n- not something that I considered almost at all. Um, and I actually came into the field because I was teaching at a madrasa. Um, so I I taught children Quran and it was kind of through a program that the madrasa was running to train up its teachers kind of in education theory that I even had any sort of step into this whole world of teaching academically. Um, So what about yourselves? How did you kind of get into teaching and and was this something that you
2: always knew that you wanted to do? No, when I was younger, I was passionate by sea life, especially dolphins. I dreamed about discovering new marine spaces then I found myself in love with languages. As you can hear my accent, English is not my first language. Alhamdulillah, Allah granted me the ability to study and learn English as well as Japanese and some Spanish. After my first year at university where I was studying English and Japanese for international business management, I decided to move to London where I trained as a Montessori teacher. I have been working in the earlier sector for more than a decade now.
3: No, not really, actually. Um, I think I felt this was something that could be a backup for me working as a teacher in education, a primary school teacher specifically. However, um, once, and I did my gr- degree actually in journalism, so something completely different, and I did want to become a journalist. However, um, after leaving university, the first job I found was. As an assistant, so I ended up in a school. And then, after being bored of being an assistant, I'm, I was told I should go and do a PGCE, and then sort of just took off from there. And I've been teaching ever since. I've been teaching for quite a few years now, and I wanted to do something different, not being in the classroom, hence why I've taken on the position that I'm in now, which I quite enjoy.
4: Growing up in a predominantly South Asian community, I had very little knowledge about learning difficulties and people with special educational needs, either because they were uncommon or because such needs and difficulties were frowned upon within the community as time went on. There was an increase of children and adolescents and adults diagnosed with learning difficulties and disabilities, and I wanted it to, to be part of educating and supporting our Muslim community with these ever-growing learning challenges.
1: Not really, it was never my plan to become a teacher when I was younger or even at university, I trained within the legal sector and worked in that field for a while. I then had my first child and I think that was a turning point. Um, My priorities changed and as a result of that, I decided to complete the PGCE just so that I could work and kind of balance my time between work and home life.
0: Okay, so mashallah, we have a Japanese-speaking marine biologist turned preschool manager. We have a solicitor turned math teacher. Um, Subhanallah, it really does go to show that not everybody who's working in education always intended to be there or planned to be there. Um, I know myself, nothing in the world could have convinced me 10 years ago to stand in front of 30, 12-year-olds all day, every day. Um, But alhamdulillah, it's something that I've found at this stage in my life is compatible with me having children and and being a wife and the other responsibilities that I have at home. Um, But I know that there are a lot of wrong beliefs about the profession of teaching um and and I just like to talk about that a little bit. I think many people have this concept or idea that working in education is so easy and there's so much free time and you're at home at 3:07 in the afternoon and you've got all of these weeks off throughout the year. Your summer is completely off. So it's an easy profession. It's not a demanding profession. But then there's also so much of what we see in the media that there's such a need for teachers because the workload is so heavy. Um, so can we just talk a little bit about that? I know from my experience that the workload is heavy if you make it, that it definitely has the possibility to not stop ever. Um, So can you talk a little bit about your experiences and what have you found in terms of balancing your work life with your home life and just kind of any tips that you that you've come across that maybe can help others who are struggling um, with with turning off from work?
1: I think it really depends upon the person. Some people are quite good at managing their time well, Um, but usually I've noticed it's teachers who work full time and may have extra responsibilities that might struggle with work-life balance, especially during term time. Um, So yes, I believe it is true for some. Um, And what tips do I have? I think, yeah, being organised is definitely one of the ways that you could overcome this. And also kind of Knowing the ethos of your school, what are the expectations um, within your department? Are you expected to stay for meetings every evening? Um, How much marking are you expected to do? Um, Are you expected to contribute to planning for the department? That kind of thing. Um, I think from my personal experience, Alhamdulillah, I'm able to work three days a week, which helps um, because I feel I have that career going and I also have time for my family. I think another key thing for me is the time that I actually came into teaching, I'd finished university, I'd, I'd dealt with, I'd had my legal career, and then I came into teaching as a mother, and that meant I always had that responsibility as a mother, so even when I felt I, need, I, I could have done maybe, could have marked 10 more books, if I had crying children to deal with, that was my priority, so I think f- for, for that reason, it's, I don't know, it's, it's different for me because for, compared to somebody who's come into teaching straight out of university, they might spend a whole evening planning lessons for the next day. Whereas me, I know that I can't spend all evening because as soon as I come home, I've got children to deal with. So being organised means I can definitely give myself some time while I'm at work to get everything done when I'm at home that's it I've got to be have my mum hat on.
2: We always think about our work whenever I do my shopping I also think about any new resources that could benefit the children that attend our preschool. I also like to be up to date with what's going on in the early years sector So I tend to read a lot of articles and researches. These enable me to further increase my knowledge and be a better manager and practitioner. However, during the weekend, I try to focus more on my children and leave my work aside. As a mother, it is sometimes challenging to take the educator hat off and be just a mum. But I found that daily experiences and challenges at work that it also helped me to be a better mom. I especially reflect more on children's emotional health and well being. I take more time to listen to them and implement some of the educational theories that I've learned about, bearing in mind the religious aspect as well. I don't actually have specific tips, but being organized helps a lot. I use different planning styles depending on the situation. At home, I try to prioritise my tasks and house chores in a way that I can spend some quality time with my family. So, yeah, in
3: terms of responsibilities, it can, for a mother or wife, it can help to an extent um, for mothers with children in that they will be able to spend more time and be around for their children because, you know, the, the school holidays are the same, and you know, you, you can be home at the same time as your children too after school. For me, I don't have children, but it did mean that in the holidays I could spend time with my nieces and also my younger siblings. And this enabled me to be able to teach them, you know, take them to religious camps, for example, and you know, focus more on the on the religion dawah project. So it does really have its benefits in that aspect. Um we are all different and everyone knows themselves and their own abilities and limitations so it's important to constantly reflect on this especially when you're a woman and you take on a career um you know there will be points in your life where things get too much um for you and this career particularly teaching is it's a highly demanding and stressful job um so if you find that it begins to affect you your mental health your relationship and you know with your husband or your children then it always is always best to leave and some and find something more suitable and there have been times where I've just taken a break and you know applied to do other things um so yeah it doesn't mean that you need to stay on and do this there are other opportunities within education out there if you are a teacher
4: I try to avoid bringing my work home Even when that means staying in school a little later or going in a little earlier or even working after fajr on the weekends if needs be. The weekday evenings are a time for myself when I would catch up with housework or attend Islamic lectures or visit my family. I think one of the difficulties many people who work in education face is finding a balance. I think being organized would help you in many ways to get the task completed. And my advice would be to try and avoid getting yourself engrossed with work matters that you neglect your other projects.
0: Now, as far as careers go, um, I think a lot of Muslim women look at the education sector as something that's safe. Um, I don't think actually even only Muslim women. I think a lot of women in general, they see teaching and working in education as something that is very accessible for women. It's not necessarily something specifically for men or specifically for this type of men. Um, how have you found being a Muslim woman compatible with your role in education? Um, whether that's things like how are you perceived through your wearing of the hijab or how have you found praying fitting in with your lessons and your timetabling and things like that would you say that teaching is compatible with being a, a working muslim woman
4: i have not experienced any difficulty as i have access to a room however the only challenge i do face is performing my wudu i try to complete this in my break so that i'm prepared for when the prayer time comes in but as you can imagine this isn't always the case thankfully the timetable of our school day does not conflict with prayer times most of the year so I can pr- go and pray without asking for cover unless necessary.
1: I think it works really well. Um, In terms of praying, alhamdulillah, we've got a prayer room at work. So if any prayer does fall within the working day, I could quite easily um, go to the prayer room. In terms of covering, the majority of our students are Muslim. So covering is really not an issue. And if I actually compare... This experience within the school to my experience when I worked at a law firm, I think I'm more comfortable um, covering and praying within the school setting than I was at the law firm. Um, and I think that's, I think a lot of it's got to do with the fact that I'm a lot older now and I've had children and I'm just a bit more comfortable within myself.
2: Working in the UK is definitely not a barrier for me to cover my aura, alhamdulillah, I can wear my hijab. I know that it is more challenging in France where some of our sisters can't work because of the racism that they encounter. However, I am blessed to work in a work environment where most of the colleagues are female. I can pray during my break time, so this is paramount to ensure that I can fulfill my personal obligation. I personally think that working in the education sector as a Muslima has a lot of advantages in terms of having a holistic understanding of children.
0: Mashallah, Marina, you definitely make such an important point that the ease with which we can be visible Muslims varies depending on where we live in the world. Um, now, I know obviously coming from... America, my experience here in England with this has been very different. I've never in my entire life growing up in America known of a mainstream public school where the vast majority of students were Muslim. This was something that was very new and mind-boggling for me when I came to England. Obviously, mashallah, in a positive aspect, it's beautiful that there's so many Muslims concentrated in certain areas in England but not everywhere in the world will we be exposed to that especially in the western world. Um, So the ease with which we can be obvious Muslims isn't the same elsewhere we go but what I have realized personally myself here is that the impact that we can have on Muslim children as Muslim professionals, is so vital to forming their identity as strong Muslims in society. Because naturally what happens in the West is that if you're surrounded by mostly non-Muslims and most of the people that you see on a daily basis in any sort of professional capacity are non-Muslims, you kind of have this preconceived notion that the only people that can be professional are non-Muslims. So it is really, really important for Muslims to get out there and be visibly Muslim. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel your role in education has impacted young Muslims, if you work with young Muslims, and then even non-Muslims as well, because Any professional capacity is a da'wah opportunity if we make it one. Um, If you can just shed some light on any experiences you may have had in terms of the impact that you've had on Muslim children through your role.
1: For me, becoming a mother was a turning point. I had this, I felt this responsibility of obviously having to raise my children, um, and I took more of an interest in the education of children, which is what led me to work in a school. So with that in mind, I think it just works really well. It kind of, it's it's quite quite a nice balance for me. Um, I mean, I'm not, I know there's lots of kind of Muslims working in law firms and in the legal sector, and they can quite happily juggle home life and work life. But for me, it was very important to be in a career where I could kind of use the tips and things, that, that I kind of took from there and use them in my home life. And also as a mother, all the tips that I've got from attending lessons and advice about raising children, I could kind of implement that into my um, school life with the children that I teach, kind of dropping hints here and there and trying to encourage them in a good way. I honestly believe that it's it, it really is worth it. And sometimes I I feel that I really have found my calling in life. Um, and I think in terms of having an impact on children, it's I think I'm visibly Muslim and that's such a big thing because they may not have visibly Muslim role models. Um, I don't know, it's it's quite nice and often I do get asked questions um, from students about Islam so it's it's really nice
2: yes i love my job i love to be part of the early stage of education of the children i want to be amongst those who are agent of change who are good leaders i love to be amongst those who are laying the foundation to enable children to reach their full potential i want to make a difference to those muslim children i want them to know that They can also be teachers, managers, scientists, doctors, or any other job they dream for. I try to give them love, hope and motivation. I work in a preschool where most of the children are from a Muslim background. With my team, we work hard to raise resilient children. Yes, because we are educating them as well as their parents. We are part of their life. Therefore, I want them to be able to face challenges and to bounce back after any difficulties. I know they are quite young, but self-esteem and confidence are important foundations for them to have before they start primary school. Sad to say, but because they are Muslims or have a different color of skin or they speak a different language, they might face prejudice and racism. So it is important for them to build their confidence and to believe in themselves and their abilities.
3: You walk in there and you're representing Islam as a Muslima with your hijab on and the children will, you know, they look for people to relate to that are similar to them. So when the Muslim children, was, children would see me, they would ask me questions about Islam Um you know, and I, and it was an opportunity every time for me to teach them, you know, teach them about the Aqidah, teach them, um, and you know, sometimes in mainstream school you have to be careful how you do this, but particularly when I was teaching RE or even in the playground, just having a little chat, um, if it was about celebration, Zaid, and many, many times in quite a few schools I was asked, you know, to, educate others about um Islam so it might have been about Ramadan so I was asked to do an assembly on Ramadan I was asked to do an assembly on Eid and um, things like that so you know it gave me those opportunities to do that and obviously they would have had an impact on the muslim children in my role currently um I actually work with quite a few um muslim children who have special educational needs and they end up and you know these are one-to-one sessions so they end up bringing religion into the session themselves and so you know it does prompt a discussion and nobody else is in the room and listening so again um, I have the opportunity to teach them um, and they have an opportunity to talk to me about their religion openly and comfortably and you know that in itself is quite empowering too.
0: Jahanara and Saadia, I'd like to speak with you specifically because both of your roles involve dealing with children who are often marginalized in society um, due to learning difficulties or physical disabilities. They have a lot of extra barriers to cross and to overcome that other children definitely don't face. So I know when I started working with children with special needs, this is my first job in the education sector prior to teaching as a teacher. I, I was astounded how little support many of these children get from home, especially the Muslim children. And a lot of it really is because of the stigma that's attached to learning difficulties and physical impairments and disabilities. So, can you just talk a little bit about what gives you that encouragement to keep going? Because I know definitely teaching and working in education tests your patience regardless. But when it comes to children with extra needs and and extra difficulties, How would you say that you continue to motivate yourself to continue to work with these children? And what have you gained specifically from working with these types of children?
4: I don't allow myself to ever assume a student is not capable of learning. Every student may be a success story. You just need to be willing to be patient and find what works. Despite the stress that the field I work in may bring, I strongly believe it is worth it because working with students of all levels and abilities has helped me become more patient, compassionate and understanding. Working with children with special needs can make you more aware of their plight in everyday society.
3: You know, sometimes you feel like am I really making a difference to this child when you're a teacher? But over the years, um, you know, for Muslim parents particularly I felt there's always been this support and encouragement, alhamdulillah. And um, the majority of the parents, they seem to be, you know, thankful and grateful um, to you. I remember receiving, you know, Eid gifts from parents and gifts during Ramadan. And also, you know, them saying, you know, you're really helping my child, Alhamdulillah. And you know, this in itself, just seeing a child develop and grow, it can be really rewarding.
0: MashaAllah, the more this season has progressed, um, talking with sisters who are working in various professions, the more I wish I had somebody to talk to me when I was young. I feel like in the end stages of high school moving into university. I was really only following kind of what I'd researched online or my own gut feeling or what I thought was definitely right at 17 years old. But subhanAllah, like the advice based on actual experience of professional, successful Muslim women is so valuable. And I can only imagine how useful this will be for those 16-year-olds out there, those 18-year-olds out there who are wondering, is teaching the field for me? And they've never stood in front of a classroom before because really you don't have that opportunity to try it out and test it out. But for all of us to look back, especially many of us coming from the perspective that we didn't actually really want to get into teaching or not that we didn't want to, but it wasn't something at the forefront of, our plans, what advice would you give to sisters who are maybe on the fence? If they're young, looking to go into university, but they might also be at the stage that many of us found ourselves as well, that we were in a career, but found that that career wasn't necessarily as fulfilling or rewarding as we'd hoped, or it didn't fit with our new responsibilities of maybe being a wife or being a mother, just bits of advice that you think would be useful for sisters who are finding themselves wondering, is education for me? Is this something that I should pursue?
2: I definitely recommend this career path. It's amazing how we grow and learn alongside children. I believe I am also a better person about a mother, about a Muslim, because I work alongside children, they teach you so much about yourself. They test your patience, but they also give you so much. Seeing a smile on the face of a child who manages to do something independently, such as fastening their coat, reading a word, or climbing a ladder, is worth it. Besides, in terms of working hours, you can find decent working hours to fit with your family life
1: i think one of the key things is trying to get a bit of work experience and seeing what kind of school you want to work in um someone once advised us at a training session that if you are unhappy in a school try and find a job in a different school and see how you feel because sometimes it's not education that that's not for you it might be the school so try and find out um what the ethos of a school is like and do they look after their staff and what kind of things are important to you? So, for example, praying is very important to me and our school has a prayer room. So that works um, there are other members of staff who cover. So that's something that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. Um, that work life balance, do they offer part time if you want part time? I mean, some people work full time and, and they, they love it and they enjoy it. Um, but kind of knowing what you want and in whatever stage you are in your life, Will it fit in with that stage? I think that's a key thing.
3: So firstly, I wouldn't advise any of our sisters to go and take do a PGCE in primary education particularly because there are, and the reason for saying this is there are many religious issues that you will encounter and it can make your life very difficult. So there are other subjects, math, science, for example, in secondary that are suitable and you can also do PGCEs in adult, um, further education in terms of balance it is very important um, we all have different circumstances some of us might have other health conditions or disabilities that we have to encounter into into our lives and when we choose careers really um, because they can affect our family life if we are unable to sustain that um position so i would definitely say it you know you need to reflect on this and find the right balance that works for you and re- just remember that there are you know the some careers in the dunya that really can take you away from focusing you know, on your hereafter, and this is our ultimate aim. So, if you find that, then you really need to reevaluate and choose something different where you can focus on, you know, the religion and your family also.
4: I would highly encourage Muslims to be part of educating the most vulnerable children in our society whether by assisting with their physical needs, developing their communication skills, building their confidence or enhancing their enjoyment of school. Being exposed to and dealing with the most vulnerable children in education is demanding, rewarding and fulfilling. Finally, it is important to keep in mind that those Muslim young people with special educational needs and disabilities need you to be their aid and role model during one of the most challenging chapters of their life.
0: Mashallah Jahanar, you so eloquently broke down a lot of the specific needs of vulnerable children with maybe specific learning needs or disabilities. But I think as Muslims, we need to identify that the education of our children is our responsibility. Either this is through being their parents, so taking a very active role in their education, or going on to get ourselves educated and trained up so that we can teach in mainstream schools, participate in the legislation around what is required in mainstream schools, Because at the end of the day, as Muslims, we have specific morals and values that don't always align with the morals and values in Western societies. So it's on us to figure out how will we live in a Western society as upstanding citizens and integrate into these societies while not sacrificing the morals and values that we believe in and and hold so dearly to. So when we look at the younger generation as a generation that ultimately will be taking the flag and have leadership roles, it's on us to see how will we implement these strong values and beliefs into this next generation. So inshallah, we've all benefited and really opened our eyes to some of the the needs and requirements of the young children that we're serving, but then also how we are able as Muslim women to blend between whatever roles and responsibilities that we have at home with also that of educating and benefiting the younger generation, regardless of what stage in their education they're currently at. Um, We'd really like to hear from you, so don't forget to follow us on Instagram at umtalhaspeaks and send us across any message or feedback, um, any questions that you may have, so we can incorporate that into this podcast.